Welcome to the new healthcare economy where everyone wins for a change. Employers, consumers, primary care physicians, outcomes, shareholders, even our communities all win with costs dropping 20 to 60%. This unstoppable direct contracting movement bypasses the big middles with their crooked game boards, devious rule book, rigged dice, and purchased referees. I'm Rob Barshop, and I'm glad you're here. Opting out is the option for primary care doctors. Wearing a hot coat in July makes about the same sense as living with pre-auths and prior authorizations and consumer friction of sky-high deductibles, so out-of-reach care and meds, and administrative dweebs and pretend white coats judging you, denying you, and completely out of touch with a patient's dire needs, an EHR that's designed for the bigs and the transaction not for you or the consumers, and charting at night and volume pressures and living in fear of speaking out, constant pressure of chargebacks, but for one typo. So opt out with DPC, direct primary care. 83% of employees want it. The jumbo employers are following the lead of the early adopters, which is Silicon Valley in this great resignation area. In fact, about a third of the Fortune 100s. So because something interesting happens when HR offers free or near free primary care, because that's what DPC is. It's got a one-to-one return on investment, it looks like, year one. And in soft costs, that works out to three or four or five to one as time marches on. But here's the interesting thing that happens when HR starts offering this. Nobody wants to leave. Recruiting just got frictionless. What great resignation. So engagement consultants really have nothing to talk about once you start offering free healthcare. So once you advertise that, you're going to see something that trumps glass door ratings, mission, vision, and values, signing bonuses, and best places to work awards. Free healthcare is the bomb. So that's all delicious icing, but the cake is the free primary care, on-site, near-site, digital first access, like phone 24-7, and primary care in this new age is redefining itself as including behavioral and oc health more so. So that's my mic drop. I got nothing, nothing better than that, employers. Offer it free. See if I'm wrong, but I'm not. And I'm wrong about a lot of things, believe me. I know that's a fact. But not free healthcare. Forget me. Listen to several of our shows. Ask any drywall in Arizona or Nevada who they lose all their craftsmen to. PJD. PJD is Paul Johnson Drywall. That's why our episode number 22 was number one most downloaded episode. Cole Johnson lays it all out in plain Jane English. And that's why people love it because he says free healthcare changed everything. Ask Rosen Hotel competitors Orlando the same thing. They can't hire them away. And while we're at it, ask any DPC firm scaling like today's guests, ask about their white coat retention ratios. I dare you to find a DPC burnout among the white coats that are in the DPC model. There's a few maybe, but why would they burn out? You know, you can tiptoe employers into DPC and share risk, air quotes. Why? Well, this is not an experiment anymore. Listen to this show. It's all here. Employers are clearly the hero in this movement. And any consumer or doc who opts out, they're all heroes. Okay, back to the docs. We are still in the bastion of freedom. 
just not under the rules of the bigs. It's more akin to authoritarianism, right? They do not care about you, these bigs. Like authoritarians don't care. They care about power and keeping the status quo. Nope, that's not our values in America, not what we stand for, not what we fight for. Bigs can trend evil. They're so bloated and bureaucratic they can't even see it themselves. Their frontline HR policies remind us of the Russian military. You risk it all for the suits, but they're comfy in their dacos, partying with their fellow oligarchs. Most are all fluff and no action. Anyone who furloughed after getting a Marshall Plan and a no audit COVID upcode free ride for two years by CMS deserves a hollow shame, a place in hell more precisely. They profit from your burnout, no question. Opt out. Stolen autonomy is at the heart of the matter. You work for perfect documentation or else. Really? That's what you signed up to serve for? Worked at below head janitor hourly wages for three years plus? Well, I'm living in a future where we all win and so is today's guest. I'm very happy to introduce you to Chris Habig. He's created a model providing branding and marketing muscle and budgetary discipline and network affiliation and capital for PCPs ready to opt out and start with direct primary care. Then he supports you with back-end ops and group purchasing and vendor selection. Chris was educated at Butler University and later got his MBA, and he co-founded one of the largest single-family residential property management companies. And after exiting to private equity, he found his real passion really was Freedom HealthWorks, his new idea that I just described. Chris also hosts the show Healthcare Americana, which I would recommend you check out. Welcome, Chris, to the show. Uh, do you have any comments before we get going? Ron, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. The resounding theme from your intro, which I loved, I'm sitting here smiling and, and nodding my head, yes, is the opt-out. People have choices. Physicians have choices. You don't have to be miserable in the one thing that you were called to do with your life, take care of people. And what we see is the most success is we'll hit docs between the eyes and say, if you're so miserable, here's a way out. Here is an exit ramp that might not be paved in gold. It's tough to start a business, but we help every single step along the way. But people have choice in healthcare. And I just, I don't think us as Americans really realize that. Um, you know, consumerism is live well and well in, in America. And so healthcare services are absolutely no different. So there is a lot of choice out there and physicians and, and medical professionals, they just don't have to be miserable anymore because they're the ones with all the power. They control all the power in healthcare. And without them, a fifth of our economy doesn't function. Hospital systems don't function. Doctors have all the power in the world and it's time that they wake up and realize that especially wide scope family practice, wide scope internal medicine, DOs. Um, I, you know, it's tougher if you're a PD or if you're a gerontologist uh, to fit into this world so neatly, but wouldn't you agree that the wider the scope, the easier it is for them to play ball in this space? Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of the return of the Renaissance man or woman in this case. Um, general practitioners used to be regarded as some of the most important members in a community because they were able to treat and care for so many people with so many really everyday afflictions. And as a society over the past oh, four or five decades, we've gotten away from that. And we're just using our frontline medical professionals as really expensive triage in thinking that we always have to go see a specialist or we have to go see 
some expensive, uh, you know, we have to go get expensive imaging or labs or something along those lines without realizing that the practice of medicine is the intersection, you know, really it's an art, I would say. Uh, it's the intersection of art and science. And in any time, do you need to, perf you know, really perfect an art or a science? You need time. And I think that's the common denominator whenever we talk to physicians is just saying, I could do so much more, but I don't have the time to actually talk to people and get to know them. And so that's why I'm basically the world's most expensive triage nurse. Yeah. Well, I, I want to get into your model because it gets rid of all the friction why a doctor would say no to joining this movement. And it is a movement. But before we do that, I want to talk about, that, hasn't the pandemic laid bare for primary care doctors exactly how vulnerable they are and how vulnerable the profession can be, especially if you're an independent fee-for-service doc or if you're working for a hospital and you're cannon fodder? Vulnerability might not be the right word, Ron. Um, I think it is obsolete. You know, the hospital, the hospital model was shown to be completely obsolete. The fact that we purchase most healthcare in this country with the completely wrong currency has been shown to be completely obsolete. And what I mean by that is that third-party payers shouldn't be purchasing our healthcare services. We should be paying with dollars and cents like everything else. You know, one of, the, one of the things that always strikes me about the pandemic is that a lot of hospital systems really pat themselves on the back for introducing telemedicine into visits. I'm looking at this thinking, this technology has been around for 30 years. Back in the 90s, we're able to Skype people overseas. That was an innovation. Now, 30 years later, you're telling me that a hospital is finally introducing this and patting themselves on the back and saying, wow, look at us. We're really taking care of our people. I, I, it, it really made me laugh. And, and maybe I have a perverted sense of humor on that one, Ron, but it just showed how obsolete the reimbursement model really is for all of medicine, let alone everyday afflictions um, in relationship building that is pivotal on a primary care. Well, I, I want to talk about what you said with telehealth in a moment, but you know, it seems to me very clear that the models that thrived during a volume zero pandemic, where there's phantom volume, if that's what you depended on, were direct primary care, scaled like you're doing it and like others are doing it, and uh, individuals are doing it, and value-based care, which is uh, capitated. So they're going to get their month, their monthly or their annual based on how many people they help and if they bring costs under X. Um, those two models did fine. They were going to get money no matter what the volume was. Um, but unfortunately, fee-for-service still dominates most hospital systems, most independents. It's even the ones the doctors are buying, they're sticking with this volume-centric model. So uh, it just kind of blows me away that uh, we know what works now, yet people are still hanging on by their fingernails to the old ways. It's comfortable, Ron. You know, it's, people look at Medicare as a safety net. Um, and that includes physicians as well as consumers. You know, I talked to some, some, you know, 64 year olds who, um, are saying, you know, I can't wait to get on Medicare because then I've, I'm on easy street when it comes to healthcare. I'm sitting there laughing at, I'm thinking you're celebrating a government minimum health insurance plan. That's it. You talk to any doctor, they're saying, well, heck no, Medicare is the bare essential minimum. It doesn't cover majority of things that this person actually needs, according to my medical judgment, but yet everybody thinks, hey, once I'm on Medicare, I got it made. Let's talk about telehealth. Now, the 
boy, is that the darling. I mean, wow, look at the 40X growth in the last two years. Look at the adoption of the individual. Look at the doctor's adoption. And, you know, the funny thing is if you're in DPC, you had telehealth all along. If you're in, again, value-based care, most of them were able to switch in two or four or five days to telehealth. But now Teladoc is offering a primary care offering in 50 states. Walmart, Amazon, you have CVS jumping in. You have uh, Walgreens with Village MD jumping in. You have all of the big five bukas are now jumping into virtual primary care saying, we're going to take good care of all of y'all now. And so here's, here's the part I don't get. I get most of those players jumping in because they got to protect their future, but who wants to work with United healthcare, primary care physicians with telehealth, with what they have in terms of deductibles, co-pays, I don't get it. I like, I don't get some of these entrants in the telehealth world. Do you? <laughs> uh, the, the easy answer is, well, yeah, I get it because there's money to be made there. And uh, you know, Ron, just to get a step back, people say, hey, the American healthcare system's broken. And I, I rebut, I say, no, the American healthcare system's working exactly like it should for those who designed it. There's a ton of money out there. There's a ton of money being made by people who designed it this way. The complexity serves them very, very well. The insurance billing codes serve them very well. The hundreds of thousands of CPT, ICD code, you name it, it's serving those people very, very well that designed it. Going back to you know the original thesis uh, of our conversation is when you opt out, you're no longer a cog in the wheel. You know people liken it to taking the red pill from um, you know the, the the movies, the Matrix. There, but from a telehealth standpoint, I think that telehealth is again, a not exactly modern innovation in medicine, but it is imperative really to enhance care, but not replace it. Um, and what that is, that opportunity is, we can bring incredible access and convenience to medicine, but I, I think you're gonna be hard pressed to find a physician who says, oh yeah, I can do a completely virtual practice and I never have to be hands-on with any patient ever again. That is gonna be pretty much impossible until you know, we get to our Star Trek days and start uh, building the USS Enterprise. Uh, until well, then, I'm going dis- to disagree. You watch Babylon Health. They're coming on strong with 147 patents around triage using digital first, around triage using EHR in a much more user-friendly way for doctors in t- terms of turning it into population health. And I don't know if you're familiar with the word a, a health graph, but they're creating the first health graph on the planet, which means... You can now, like I thought AHR was designed so we could cure cancer, solve pandemics. It's not designed for the consumer. It's not designed for the doctor. It's not designed for science. It's designed for payment. But Babylon has developed a software that actually is designed to solve the bigger problems, which, you know, really is consumer centricity. It really is what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, and so there are companies that are focused on that and we are in Star Trek age. Well, there, yeah. And there's a ton of people quickly. doing that and, and you can do body scannings and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Still, most, most physicians, you know what, there comes a point in time where we do have to do hands-on. We have to see a, see yes. a patient in person. Um, maybe yeah, they we get... estimate about 85 to 90% can be done digitally and the rest needs to be in person. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So we always Are look we at- we about your model, Chris? Yeah, we always look yeah. at it as a supplement, Ron, uh, just to bookend that. Okay. So uh, not a complete replacement, okay. but yeah, let's talk about the model. Yeah. Um, why would any physician tell you no? I mean, you've taken away every objection. You're providing them a network so they can deal with larger employers. You're helping them with marketing and social media. You're giving them the capital they need to get started. There's really um, no bookkeeping, no back end. You're handling pretty much 
all the reasons why they wouldn't want to go into independent DPC by giving them a, an, an instant group to belong to. What, what, what are the reasons people tell you no to your model? I don't get it. <laughs> well, when you put it that way, I'm not really sure why either. Um, we, we see about three objections. Um, there's a market uncertainty. You know, well, who's going to show up? How do I, how do I get new patients? Um, there's an operational uncertainty of, well, I was never actually trained how to run a business anymore. The independent physician is disappearing. And then the third one is a financial risk. I have a lot of loans or really I'm living paycheck to paycheck or what kind of breaks my heart is that there's a lot of predatory practices out there amongst um, service providers of physicians right out of school. They get, they get sucked into these things and they consolidate debt, not realizing that that wrecks their credit rating. And so a lot of physicians that want to do this and need opt out or opt out of the, the uh, traditional hospital system, they can't go out and get loans. I mean, it's, it's a group of people who want to care for their fellow man, yet they get taken advantage of a lot of times. And it's, it's a very conservative group of people. Um, those are the three main kind of uncertainties. I stopped calling them risk factors anymore because like you laid out, there's, we have a 162-step process from A to Z. And then we stick with you and make sure that you're going to be successful. Ron, we have a 100% success rate on any practice that we've started. Not a single client of ours that we've started have ever gone out of business. And we can point yeah, to that's that. That's a great metric. I'm going to take one of your pages, by the way, and put it on this show notes, because I think the show, the story that talks about the, the numbers, learn more about our patient and employer freedom doc plan. So here's the patient by the number, freedom docs by the numbers. Here's the financial summary. I think that's a really a good explanation that it walks people through how they can get to where they need to get to not only equal, but better their hospital pay. Yeah, I appreciate that. So the one thing we hear a lot is, well, this sounds too good to be true. What's the catch? Yeah, I can imagine. And we hear that from the patient side and we hear that from the employer side. And we're saying, well, this is kind of the old Norman Rockwell way of doing business. You know, we have doctors who make house calls. And I always go back to that Norman Rockwell painting where, you know, you have your old town physician, he's got his little black bag and he's got his stethoscope on the little girl's doll. And I'm like, that is what physicians in America, maybe that's romanticized, but that is what physicians in America are in most people's minds. And that's a return to relocalizing healthcare. That's really what the big push is. Do they feel like you're some other suit? You're just going to be another suit that's going to lord over them? Or do they feel like they have autonomy once they get on their own? About five years ago, yes. It was a lot of sideways glances looking at it and saying, well, What's your angle? How are you just going to get inside my pocket here like everybody else? Um, we've done a lot of painstaking uh, work into proving that, hey, we're part of the good guys. Everything we do is to support a physician. We never come top down. Um, we make sure that that physician and, and, and a clients are sticking to their, really the model and what our promises were. You know, we, we help them cap patients at 500. We help them see six people a day. We help them you know, institute and install the technology needed to respond to people via text, via phone call, via video. Yeah, but they're getting more touches with that patient. That looks like from your numbers, they're going to see 18 encounters, which is 13 digital and five in person. That is way more than the average PCP sees their patient. It's all about relationships. Yeah, we have multi-generational I mean, people. Number. And that's, what, that's mm -hmm. what increasing access does. And, that's, and going back to what we're talking about telehealth, I mean, it's not just telehealth and video. I think a lot of people think just telehealth is just video visits, but text messaging is communicating. It's building that relationship. And really a lot of it's just peace of mind. And, you know, you talked about pediatricians earlier. 
pediatricians are one of the largest growing customer segment that we have. And I think young families are realizing that, hey, if I got a sick kid at home, I need answers right away. And I'm willing to you know, build a relationship with a physician so that I can have those. So I'm not staying awake if the baby's crying or coughing or whatever it is. And they really just want somebody to say, hey, it's okay. This is normal. Yes. Um, so now you get past the objections. They say, let's do this. Um, they belong to a network. How many states are you in and how many docs have you set up in the last five years? 31 states and our startups are now pushing close to 80, 85. Uh, we have 16 in kind of what we call the hopper, kind of our startup pipeline right now. Um, we have a whole slew of them launching in July uh, to help uh, help the local communities. And we're really, we're pushing, we're, we're pedal to the metal. Um, we want to help anybody and everybody. And, you know, sometimes it's tough for you know, physicians who, for all their careers, they're the ones in the room that have to have the answers. They don't have anybody else to ask. Sometimes it's tough for them to, to ask for help. And um, the ones that do, they're a pleasure to work with. Um, every single one of them that we work with, every single one of our clients is there for the right reasons. And that right reason is to help the people who have entrusted them to care for their families. Yeah. So they're meeting their calling. Um, well, that's impressive. And I'm, I'm glad to hear of your success. Do you have any idea what you're going to look like in three years or four years or five years? Are you reaching some kind of crescendo with momentum? In other words, is this, is this movement growing at a nice pace that you're happy with? The pace has certainly accelerated since the pandemic. Um, you know, two years ago, we just had an influx of interest. And it was kind of an awkward, uh, awkward uh, conversation with people who are saying, wow, how are you guys doing? Uh, I know you're still a small business. You're trying to grow. And I'm saying, actually, the pandemic's been really good for us uh, from a business standpoint, because there is so much pain and hurt in the medical community these doctors of 30 years are getting laid off because they can't see people in person. Now they're coming to us saying, you know what? Independent practice sounds pretty good right now. And so we've helped you know, a ton of, ton of these doctors get back to, again, relocalizing healthcare, their own businesses, um, their own branding. And then we're kind of the engine in the background that makes it all possible for them. So I, I will say, Ron, this is, this is the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Um, I don't think my team is joking with me when they say, Hey, we're excited to wake up every single morning and see how we can help change people's lives. So Chris, that's excited to hear that. Do you have a, um, a same offering service offering at all of these locations so that you can go to an employer and say, if you know, you have offices in Omaha, you have offices in San Antonio, Texas, you have offices in Nebraska, in uh, wherever we, we can take care of you employer with our multi locations and under one banner. Do you, do they offer the same service at the same price or is it a different location to location? They offer a lot of different services, but there are core tenants that are pretty much the same. Um, obviously, DOs and MDs want to offer different types of services. And, and, and I love that because it allows that physician's personality to come through. You know, too many times I think that insurance world and hospitals have tried to commoditize our physicians, the best and brightest of our communities, and just say anybody with a stethoscope and a white coat is the exact same, just pick from a list. And that's not true. So going back to you know, the concept of choice in healthcare, we want to give people choice of a female physician, a, a male physician, an MD, a DO, somebody who's focused on sports medicine, somebody who focuses on women health. I think that choice and comfort in patient care is incredibly important. 
So let's talk about your members and how many members do you have and what percent would you say are B2C consumers and B2B, which are employers? Vast majority are going to be, you know, B2C. Um, the B2B realm is picking up. So, you know, we're pushing 20,000 members across the states here. Um, because, you know, we cap our, our practices, uh, about 500, 600 people, but we have a lot of startups. And so a lot of our practices are in that 100 to 200, you know, just hitting kind of their, um, kind of their, their break even from a, a salary standpoint that they would get into hospital. So we kind of call that the replacement income threshold. And so they're growing like crazy. I mean, it's not uncommon to see 25 to 35 new patients a month, which for a physician and you know one full-time employee, that's a lot of new people to onboard and take care of. Um, and they don't have to be some a, kind of social media guru. They don't have to do TikToks and Instagrams and demeaning things like that. They can get help <laughs> from you guys to support that, that 25 growth per month. It, it is a lot easier than it was seven years ago when we started uh, to be able to have a conversation with somebody and they don't look like look at you like you got a third eye in the middle of the forehead thinking, well, what kind of modest, what kind of medicine is this? How do I how do I pay for a doctor's visit? Yeah, people universally kind of know what it is now, or at least generally it seems that way with the studies I've seen. So, um, what are your big frustrations that keep you up at night? What is what's bothering you these days? It's just a lack of education in the market as a as a whole. Um, you know, I kind of mentioned it that most consumers don't realize that they have a choice. You don't have to just wait three weeks. You don't have to tough it out at home when you think you have the flu. You don't have to immediately go to the ER, you know, because you don't think that you can see a physician or talk to one. And if we can get over that and just show people that, hey, that there's, a, there's a different way of doing things. It's okay. Um, you know, companies, it kind of depends on what region they're in, on whether they are open to exploring this type of a model. Uh, we're headquartered in Indianapolis. You know, it's, it's a relatively conservative Midwest uh, place. And so employers are a little slower to catch on. The small businesses have been wildfire. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head from a attraction and retention of employees, especially in a tough labor market. They see it, they get it, they're all in. It's the people, it's the, it's the companies that work with benefits and brokers mostly. Um, who are just a tougher sales cycle. It's a longer, tougher sales cycle. And we are at complete odds with any type of a broker because they look at us saying, hey, you're going to be taking money in my pocket because I would now theoretically sell less insurance to this person, to this company. So my commission's not going to be as high. So I, a long answer to a simple question there, Ron, but we're, we're, we're pushing, we're moving forward helping to educate just a broader market, showing people that they do have a choice out there when purchasing healthcare services. So the frustration for employers, which you said is mostly B2C, but as you grab, gather steam in the employer market, is this, who am I going to get referred to for surgery? Where am I going to get my medications? So I know you do a lot of sourcing of that. And I, we just interviewed Ron Pinecki in your own backyard with Wellbridge mm -hmm. Surgical, who's a, a brand new pre-market surgery center right there in your hometown. I mean, we we're here at the jackpot on Indianapolis this year. We've talked to three guys from Indianapolis and that's really funny because I almost live there, but um, what a nice town. What a nice city. It's, you cannot get lost in Indianapolis, period. <laughs> the grid system it's you know, laid, comes in handy. <laughs> it's laid out so well, like Oklahoma city, like Washington, DC, you just can't get lost in those cities. It's first, second, it's third, it's first West. It's first, you know, second West, third West. I love Indianapolis. 
Um, so let's talk a little bit about how do you farm out the other services that are required, the imaging, the surgery, the labor and delivery, how do you, the specialists, so the, uh, you know, the labs, how do you get all that worked out um, by sourcing the best and brightest out there? It's our team doing the heavy lifting. Um, you know, our, our brand promise to physicians is that we're going to do everything we can just to let you focus on seeing and caring for your people. Um, so, you know, that includes in the back end that we really run our own call center for all of our clients and we white label our sales services because imagine you're a physician and, and you know, this might be an extreme example, but, you know, say you just gave somebody some really bad, bad news in the exam room. And then all of a sudden you get a phone call from a new member for a prospect who says, hey, I'm really interested in your practice, but yet you're still reeling because you've known this patient for so long that you just delivered this horrible news. Now you have to switch into sales gear. I, I don't think it's mentally possible for anybody really to be able to do that. So we've taken on that sales call on behalf of our clients and our practices so that we are very good at having that conversation. I mentioned that because we extend that into referral management where we'll even help our, our physicians steer their patients. And that is such a crucial element of helping to drive down healthcare costs in the United States that we don't want them to just go back into the hospital and have 3000 bucks um, out of pocket for an MRI. I wanna send them to Dr. Panecki's shop you know, to have a surgery over at Wellbridge, that is really a 10th of the cost of what any other hospitals around here are going to be doing. So if we can help make patients better consumers by holding their hand throughout that entire process, once that referral happens, and we still have that doctor as a quarterback of care moving through to help really translate some of those specialists or the surgery notes, we're able to get them to where they need to go. Cost is a factor, but so is timing and access and quality of care. Um, if we're able to do that as an industry at whole, I think we're going to see a lot more growth and you know, hope to establish that hockey stick moment for growth here uh, within the next year or two. Okay. So my last question before I get to my last, last question is the, the meds. How do we get the price of meds down for the frequent flyers, the people that are on 10 or 12 meds? What are you doing to help those consumers uh, have for frictionless prescription experience? Oh, I love it when my client's able to hand a patient their prescription medication as they're walking out of their office. Okay. Compliance rates. You can't do that in Texas. You can do that in most states. So Texas is Texas is one of those things. I admire Texas and what the great people down there have been doing. But pharmaceutical uh, dispensing, uh, from a primary care standpoint, is one of those little sticky wickets that you kind of scratch your head and say, "What in the world? How does this one?" But you know, they can do mail order. Um, actually, in Texas, you can you can dispense a limited day uh, kind of a. Um, kind of a sample size. I don't. Th I think the limits. Are you days. working with local pharmacies? Are you working with a national provider? How are you finding the meds to at the lowest possible price? It's all wholesale pricing. Um, you know, we work with a handful of vendors out there, and so again, we don't want to impede medical judgment from our physician standpoint. We just show them the options and say, here's who we recommend. They work really well, really easy use. But here's some other ones over here that might be cheaper, but they don't do as many things for you. You know, things like. The cheapest um, wholesaler medications might require you to count out your own pills. Some states, you can do that easier than others. Other ones that we like working with provide already packaged up, ready to rock and roll. Mail order is another uh, option. And, um, you know, you see compliance rates skyrocket too, while costs are plummeting when you're able to do that and take direction from your physician. All right. Um, my 
last question is how do people find you if they want to reach out, Chris? We have uh, a kind of a couple of different brands that you mentioned. So freedomhealthworks.com is the easiest way that's more physician focused. If you're interested in starting a practice or even kicking the tires uh, or joining our, our you know, national community, um, all are welcome uh, who are in this model from primary care all the way to specialists and even surgery centers. From an employer and consumer standpoint, freedomdoc.care is the website to go to, to learn a little bit more about the model, learn about different plans, learn about how we have some low-cost health insurance alternatives that are available, as well as find any practices that are closest to them. Okay, terrific. And if you could fly a banner overhead, what would that banner say to America? Next time you see your doctor, ask the price. See, now you got that right. Most people don't know how to answer that. They would take 17 airplanes and you got it done in one. Thank you. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Chris, thanks for joining the show. We'll do this again soon. I'm I'm happy to see y'all on the marketplace. Ron, I appreciate you and thank you for the time. Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.